Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with modern-day jazz trombonist Michael Deese. He's right out of Augusta, Georgia, and he's a real jack of all jazz trades. Along with the trombone, he plays the sax, trumpet, flugelhorn, bass, piano, and he's a skilled producer and composer. Over the course of our interview, he talked about gigging with the best cats in jazz via the big bands like Illinois Jacquet, Christian McBride, Roy Hargrove, Nicholas Payton, and many others. He discussed his heroes, his plans, and so much more. Dig this interview, my friends. Hey, thank you up front for taking some time to talk with me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure, man. Right on. So I'm just going to go ahead and dive in right here, and let's get kind of an idea of what's been going on with you lately. Well, uh, we just released my seventh Lear album. Uh, I've, I've joined Positone Records two years ago, and we debuted with my big band record, Relentless. And uh, now we are releasing, or we just released in late August, uh, my first quintet, you know, small group jazz record for Positone. Uh, it's about half of my original compositions, and and then a few choice selected covers. Uh, for a band, rhythm section, piano, bass, drums, and then my front line over the past few years has featured uh, alto saxophone and trombone. That, you know, I'm always writing for that. Uh, inspiration strikes all the time, either on the in an airplane or at home at the piano or, you know, sometimes when I'll be working at Michigan State with one of my students in a lesson and, and we'll, you know, hit upon something and work on composition and, you know, in... So the the past couple of days, actually, I've written some tunes with my students. It's been great. So we're at the Dirty Dog this week right now doing a CD release party for Decisions, which is the title of the album. <laughs> this might be a long answer. I, it's hard to sum up everything I do, which is oh yeah, which uh, which I, I wish <laughs> I, I sometimes wish was a little less, so I could catch up on some sleep. But yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I uh, I still hold down. A lot of the chairs and the big bands that I've played with for the past, uh, you know, eight to ten years, the Dizzy Gillespie, all-star big band, Christian McBride's big band, uh, the Rufus Reed Jazz Orchestra, which was uh, nominated for a Grammy last year. Um, I also play with Nick Payton and and uh, what's another what's another great uh, Charles Tolliver big band, which is another fantastic group and. Uh, lately, I've been making small group hits with Louis Nash and Rini Rosnes, um, Rodney Whitaker and his uh, quintet. They just released a CD last year, so we did a four-night run in New York. Um, so yeah, it's uh, between writing music for my own band and recording projects, being a sideman, um, also you know touring with. A lot of great artists that I'm privileged to work with. Um, I, a, a big commitment for me is teaching jazz studies and jazz trombone at Michigan State University's jazz program here in East Lansing. Well, the story for you began in Augusta, Georgia. My question is, how influential was that area, that region for you to kind of get interested in the music? Was that was there an influence that that region had on you? Augusta, Georgia, for me, like I, I always think of of James Brown whenever yeah. I think of that reason, region. A lot of people, you know, get into Augusta through the Masters. If you're a golf fan, you know, Augusta is like the the place in the world to be 
to play, yeah. you know, 18 holes of golf. Not so for me. I, I'm not a, a golf guy. I could, I could get into it later, but uh, I grew up, you know, as a kid in Georgia listening to uh, a lot of funk and soul music. That's like the, the heartbeat of of music in Augusta. It's it's like it's the blues, the soul, and it's funk, and it and it really is epitomized in the the Godfather of Soul, James Brown. So I I would go out to clubs and and listen to, to cover bands and top forty bands play his music and play the Commodores and Parliament Funkadelic and so my my first influences were really in that in that vein, not in not in jazz which is where I, you know, primarily live musically now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you were a kid, did you, what did you want to be when you grew up? <laughs> I want, well, you know, I was always really as a, as a little boy, I loved uniforms. I liked to dress up and I liked to, to, to just play and have a good time. So I wanted to be a police officer, uh, a soldier, a fireman, uh, whatever had the coolest uniform, you know, maybe that's a little early, <laughs> but, yeah. but I, no, uh, that is. Good. you know, I, as I, as I got older, I was really interested in history, especially American history. And I started taking advanced courses in high school. Um, and then the local college, it's called Augusta college is now Augusta state university. Now it's actually called Georgia regents university. And um, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer, yeah. uh, so so I was interested in majoring in political science or or history. Um, but ar- around that same time, um, I started playing saxophone. Uh, we're talking like maybe twelve, thirteen years old, and and I became a, became a you know a high school saxophone player. Well, and that's. That's branched out to trombone and trumpet and flugelhorn, bass, piano. You're kind of a jack of all trades. How did that all kind of come about? <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, that's that's true. I do feel like that sometimes. Um, I uh, I was a I was like the kid in band that I mean, band was like my escape. It was really, you know, I, I just I just loved it. It was so different than you know reading assignments for homework, which I I like to read. I love to read actually, but 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 just it was such a whole different world, the world of sound and not just your teacher's like monotone voice or or my monotone voice for that matter. But it's like uh I just loved it. It was like playtime and I wanted to be really good during playtime. I wasn't any good at kickball, I was never really good at sports. Um but I had a good ear and I loved to be expressive, so so music and band was like the perfect outlet for me. Um, yeah. So I, I I got into it. Um, yeah, I I got into saxophone and I and and my band was 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 you know we had a we we were ch- kind of challenged you know we had a, a a really aggressive band director my first year in sixth grade and he was I actually just reconnected with him his name was Bruce Drake and uh. He's still alive, <laughs> and he 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 would he would just get on my case so bad. It's like Michael, stop making up your parts. You know, read the music that's there. You know, play the dynamics. You know, don't you know you're wasting everyone's time. You know, and because I, I was a kind of a class clown. Yeah. And then we had a director who, you know, was a little uh, less hands on, 
and so the band, you know, kids, kids need like that push. They need to be told and they really need like a lot of structure and boundaries, especially at a young age. So if my band director wasn't really doing it, I started to do it. So when yeah. the trumpets would mess up or the bones would wouldn't play something right, I would say, "Come on, guys, let's let's get let's get it happening." And, and they would be like, "Shut up," you know. <laughs> so I said, "Well, it can't, you know, if it's, you know, it can't be that hard. Let me try it." And I, you know, really just out of a, you know, I wanted to be, I wanted everybody to, I wanted us to all get better. So I learned their instruments. I taught myself their how to play trumpet and, and trombone and bass and and uh, flugelhorn, all those things, out of a desire to just really see what was happening and help us all improve. Well, and speaking of, of class and big shots and things over your career, at Juilliard you were taught by Wycliffe Gordon. You went on to Illinois Chaké's band, Nicholas Payton, Jimmy Heath. You've been around big names, been taught by him, and perform with them. What's it like to be around that caliber of play on a regular basis? Oh man, the 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 entire the entire range and spectrum of 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 feelings and emotion. Like uh, <laughs> where to start? Like yeah. awe, you know, A W E. Just like yeah. wow, I can't believe this is happening five feet in front of my face. Um, you know, the music that I heard on records, especially Illinois Jaquette, like like that that guy. Um, he, his name was in my very first beginning band book. It said saxophonist to check out Illinois Jaquette, and I was like, "Who is this guy named by after a state? What's that about?" <laughs> and he became, you know, almost like a musical godfather to me. Um, yeah. He he was really fantastic and and played the most amazing saxophone and melodies you'd ever want to hear at eighty two years old. Wow. And and so I mean I, there was I always had and still have this kind of like reverence for those people and 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 to me like you don't have to be 150 years old to deserve reverence I mean I feel similarly about Nicholas Payton you know even though we're we're closer in age and at this point or or peers I still have like a, a ton of respect for those folks and and uh and that that really informs, you know, how I make music and where I come from. You know, yeah. I hope to I hope to be considered in that, you know, fantastic lineage and tradition of the music that that they 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 actually are with their heroes and uh, yeah yeah it's intimidating it's uh it's very inspiring. Um, I I don't think every time I get around someone like that I just I, I feel like I have to practice and. And, and learn and, and it's just a fantastic thing. I always tell my students here at Michigan State, like, do whatever you can do to get around the old folks and or just people that are you know have something to offer you. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So you you have performed with what the world would consider the top shelf of jazz heroes. Who are your jazz heroes? Oh wow. Well, my my first one. <laughs> my my first hero actually uh is is um was not the first person I was exposed to. Um the, the, the first person I was exposed to as as a saxophone player, and this is a lot, you know, part due to my age and to the state of jazz radio in Augusta, Georgia. 
Um, but the first person I heard play was Kenny G. Huh. And, uh, wait, I, I take that back. First person I heard play really was Grover Washington on a, on a CD or, or a tape called Wine Light. And it, and it is fantastic tape. I learned, um, uh, Mr. Magic, New Grover's tune. Um, but when I wasn't able to listen to that tape, and we'd be in the radio, and this is in the uh, late, or this is in the early '90s. Kenny G was like all over the radio. Yeah, like that's what you like if you heard. And then most people, where I'm from, um, you think that smooth jazz is jazz. Yeah. And and so I heard all the time. Oh, I love jazz. I love jazz. I love you know because because of Kenny G. You know, he's he's. He's so jazzy. He plays so much jazz, you know. And I, and I, and but you got to understand, like I, I had just so little information. So I, I, okay, that's what it is. So I heard a lot of that in my head, and I would try to imitate it. And and uh, and I'm not, you know, I've whenever I tell that story, like especially jazz students and other, you know. You know, they get like, "What? Oh my God! Why would you ever admit that?" And yeah. I, and I, and I, you know, I gotta be honest. Like, you know, I liked it. That's all I knew. That's that's yeah. all I had heard. And it, it, the rhythm, there was rhythm in it, in a good tone, and and I could connect with it because I come out of funk and rhythm and blues and in a backbeat. And but but I really like you ask about heroes like. My whole life changed uh, when I heard Charlie Parker for the first time. Yeah, my mom is from Brooklyn, New York, and her father is a is a jazz aficionado. My grandfather, and so my mom just knew she had the knowledge. She's like, you can't be a saxophone player and not know about Charlie Parker. So she bought me the CD, and and it just messed me up. I I knew I knew that I wanted to do whatever that guy was doing. Yeah. Well, along that route of nostalgia, we're going to whittle this list down a little bit here. If you could go back in time and see a show, who would you go see and where would you go and see it? Oh, my goodness. Wow. That's a great question. You know, one of the shows, like, I I, I try to think, like, what I would like when I listen to music and, like, like if I could be transported somewhere. And one of those places... Kind of caught me off guard, but I can tell you this: I would love to be at the Sands Hotel and Casino and see Frank Sinatra with um, the Count Basie band. Oh yeah, I uh, I can un- abashedly, undoubtedly tell you that 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 would be on my short list yeah. of, of places to be. Um, yeah. As a trombonist. I think the Slide Hampton did a record called Melody. Yeah. And it's a live record. Um it's it's not not extremely well known, but Slide Hampton plays so much beautiful trombone on it that I would love absolutely love to have been in the club that night. So yeah. that's um that's uh that's that's two for you right there. Yeah, that's that's perfect. Those are huge hitters right there. Mm-hmm. Um so is is a person that has dedicated his life to jazz, been around so many luminaries, and is creating your own lore in jazz. Why do you love jazz? Mm. You know, 
that that's a that's something that it changes every five years because I'm I'm 33, you know, and I and I, you know, honestly can't say that I have all the answers about anything. You know, I have I definitely have some answers about like how to improve as a trombonist and and how to learn about music. Um, but you know, being a jazz musician, like one of the one of the first things that just just absolutely floors me is that is that I, I keep learning like almost every day, yeah. and it, and it will be every day if 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 I actually if I sit down and think like for five minutes about like what this day has brought me as a jazz musician. Um, you know my so so as a thirty three year old like I'm having a child. My, my, our first daughter, me and my wife are having a, our first daughter in January. And so just the relationship between, like, the love of the music and where the music's taken me and and the the people and personalities and souls that I've met along the way as a jazz musician, you know, has has just impacted every living second. So I, I can't, you know, even begin to think about you know, my journey without the music guiding me. Yeah. Um my role as a uh as a student and my role now as a mentor uh to the next generation of jazz musicians is something that I wouldn't I wouldn't trade for all the world. Yeah. Like to to be able to have the opportunity to talk to people that remind me very much of me fifteen years ago or twenty years ago even. Um it's just it's fantastic. It's it's extremely rewarding on my side uh you know very directly rewarding because it's almost like tit for tat um but it's also rewarding in a grand sense because i feel like i'm able to contribute to the um the growth and dissemination of like an american art form yeah and uh so i i love that as a you know as a pr- performing musician i i love being able to have to think on my feet all the time um our music is um, constantly changing and shaping depending on like the environment that we're in so like like depending on who's in the club uh where the club's at what city you're in um the age of the audience you know, like what you have for breakfast, like everything, everything comes together in like molds and impacts and influences the music. So you truly never know what you're going to get or give. Yeah. yeah and it's just, it's it's thrilling. It's like, uh, you know, I've never done drugs or anything like that, but, you know, the people that I've talked to that, that tell me what a, what a rush it is, I can only imagine that, that, that that probably can't even compete with like like the the ex- exhilaration that like actively participating in 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 the creative process of music can give. Yeah, yeah, you have done a phenomenal job in this interview of of weaving together and answering questions that were follow ups, and I feel this answer you just gave me is a really good way for for us to kind of end and to give my audience a really good snapshot and a good feel of who you are. And I appreciate you taking your time to talk with me and giving me your vision of, of who you are as a musician 
and what music is. It's been very refreshing. Thanks. It's an honor to be able to speak with you. Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in New York, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Michael for his music and his cool. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store or visit the neonjazz.blogspot.com for all things Neon Jazz. Until next time, enjoy the music, my friends. Neon Jazz.